Hey, good morning again, and I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I, uh, I really hope you're doing well. Um, and, and we moved to phase two kind of in the province here this last week, and so I'm, I'm glad about that because, uh, frankly, some of you have needed a haircut, and I hope you've gone out, rushed out to the salons and done that. Uh, but I, I like some of the quarantine lines that I came across this week uh, like this. The buttons on my jeans have begun to social distance from one, from one another. <laughs> or as someone else pondered, I, I think I'm finally being grounded for everything I didn't get caught for <laughs> when I was a teenager. And then this may be my favorite. Congratulations, you've made it to May. Welcome to level five of Jumanji. Watch out for the murder hornets. I hope you're laughing, because this is just a quiet room for me. But, and then finally, if I'd known in March it would have been my last time in a restaurant, got to tell you, I would have ordered dessert. But we're in these uh, strange days, and as uh, we said in our midweek reminder a week ago, we suggested that there, there's questions that you could consider and reflect on as we kind of start coming out of this COVID season. Questions like these, what, what do you need to grieve right now? Or, or what do you need to celebrate? Or what have you learned? Or, or what lessons or perspectives do you need to take with you from this season? And maybe just as importantly, what patterns or perspectives would be appropriate to kind of leave behind? I, I think days like these have, have power and potential to, have, to challenge our perspectives and challenge our paradigms, kind of the, the what, the why, and, and the how of our lives and, and we've been in this series in Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and, and we're considering how we might thrive in life and, and thrive in God and, and not just kind of get by. And, and if we're going to thrive, there's a, a dominant paradigm in our culture that Jesus is going to want to challenge us in. It's what I've heard called the, the paradigm of the ladder. And it's the idea of moving on up in our lives, like climbing the ladder. And I uh, brought a ladder up this morning to kind of illustrate this to represent one of the two ways in which we can do life that we're going to talk about in this message. This ladder could, could stand for the ladder of success. In, in our society, there are a lot of ladders like this, constructed around the promise that, that if you just make it to the top, as if there is one, that, that's where all the good stuff is. And if you just devote your life to climbing this ladder, you'll achieve status or or success, or, or, or recognition, or significance. And, and you can, if you want to, you can devote your whole life to this. A, a lot of people do. A lot of people are, are ladder climbers. And in, in, our, in our culture, there's a lot of ladders and a lot of climbers. And here's the thing, once you get on the ladder, it's kind of hard to get off. We, we look at people higher up the ladder than we are, and, and we kind of feel discontented and we tend not to look much at people lower on the ladder than, than us because when you're climbing the ladder, where are you facing? You're looking up. We can even put our kids on the ladder. I've heard studies show that, that one of the number one concerns that face kids and teenagers is stress. Our, our kids know a lot about ladders. Harold Kushner, he's the, the author, the guy who wrote that book uh, quite famously years ago, all I really needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Uh, he writes about a, a very bright, driven pre-med student at a very prominent university. And this is what Kushner wrote. He said, while traveling in the East the summer before his third year, this student met a guru who said to him, 
Don't you see you're poisoning your mind with, and soul with this success-oriented way of life? Your idea of happiness is to stay up all night studying for an exam so that you can get a better grade than your best friend. That's your idea of happiness. Your idea of a good marriage is not to find a woman who will match your soul, but to win the girl everybody wants. That's not how people are supposed to live. Come and join me and my disciples in an atmosphere where we all share and, and love one another. Well, this kid was ripe for his message. He called his parents and told them he was dropping out of school to live in a commune. Six months later, he got a letter from him. Uh, they got a letter from him. Dear mom and dad, I know you weren't happy about my decision, but I want to tell you how it's changed me. For the first time in my life, I'm at peace. Here, there is no competing, no trying to get ahead of anyone. This way of life is so in harmony with my inner soul that in only six months, I've become the number two disciple in the entire community, and I think I can be number one by June. So good. Ladder climbing is just so pervasive, and it can affect one's spiritual life. I think I can be the number one disciple by June. So, so Paul writes just this fabulous passage in Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11, that, that challenges our, our latter paradigm. He says this in verse 5. He says, let, let this mind be in you. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Paul says, if, basically, if you want to be a real follower of Jesus, you've got to think like Jesus thought, and you've got to act like Jesus acted. Of course, acted as if he were you. Uh, most uh, New Testament scholars suggest that the, the words that follow in Philippians 2, because of their, their kind of rhythm and, and poetry, were likely an ancient poem or hymn. They're likely the oldest words uh, of the early church. They read, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now, now the attitude that, that Paul wants us to have is obviously countercultural to the way we do things. Uh, his idea of latter success doesn't involve upward mobility so much, but more downward mobility in order to glorify God and to serve other people. And, and, and these verses tell us of the, de the depth of, of Jesus' dedication to that downward slope. So in the, the time we have this morning, let's, let's look at where Jesus voluntarily descends the ladder into the, the, into greatness in the eyes of God. Where does he start? Well, he starts at the top. <laughs> Step one, verse six reads, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Where does Christ start this, this trek down the ladder? He starts at the very top. <laughs> being in the nature of God means being equal with God. And, and Jesus in his very essence and, and being is God. Now, now think about this, in the, in the worth chart of the universe, where would you rank job title God? It's pretty much the top, right? It's pretty high up on the chart. I mean, kind of a bummer. Where do you get promoted from there? But Jesus gives it up. He doesn't consider this something to be clutching onto, to be held onto. Can you understand the impact of that statement? We're... Uh, we're clutchers by human nature. Uh, re remember that standard uh, children's MO? If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. 
If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay down your toy, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. It's actually terribly difficult for us to loosen our grip once it's gotten itself wrapped around something we value. But here, Jesus, the holder of all the privileges and prerogatives of God, and just to be clear, Jesus was not like an assistant to God. He was not like God's vice president. He's not a junior partner, but rather he and the Spirit are full-fledged members of the Godhead, equal with the Father in every way from eternity past. And so Jesus, enjoying the worship and adoration of the universe, Jesus, the one in whom we're told the universe was created and, and, and now holds itself together, Jesus, fully God, fully partner in all, full partner in all the divine privileges, voluntarily relaxed his grip on those privileges. He lays them down, and he comes down the rung of the ladder. And step two, the next rung we're told is, is he made himself nothing. Scholars tell us this clause really is paired with the next verse where it says he humbled himself. He becomes a human being. He, he takes on flesh and blood with our means and, and, and with our, our limitations. Jesus does this. And, and, and what we're talking about is the, the doctrine of the incarnation. And, and the doctrine of the incarnation is really about God coming down the ladder. We think about this at, at Christmas time. We, we, we consider the nativity, you know, this, this cute little baby in the, in the manger. But I actually, I actually wonder whether we consider the massive cost of the incarnation. Uh, Daryl Johnson talks about this in his book, It Is Finished. And he describes how the, the, son, of, the son of God, in, in becoming a, a flesh and blood person, a real flesh and blood person, something that he wasn't before. In other words... And this strikes me every time I think about it. God changed the entire mode of his existence, his being. He became human. And here's the thing. Not just for 33 years, but forever. We're told in the resurrection that when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose bodily, a transformed body, but it was still a body. And as Johnson goes on to say, he says he exists with his father in bodily form, fully God and fully human, Forever, he became what he was not forever. Uh, Daryl goes on to describe a time when he actually was a pastor in Manila in the Philippines. And, and he talks about how during his Christmas messages, he'd often say he would be willing to become a Filipino forever if it meant that Filipinos would be free. And he says it would involve some, some change, some, some cost, but he'd be willing to do it because, you know, at the end of the day, he'd still be human. But he says, I'd, I'd never be willing to become a lizard to set lizards free or a, a, a cat to set cats free. And I mean, who would want to you know, become a cat? Let's just, I, I'll stop there. But, but I would never want to become another creature to, to, to free them. To do so would mean becoming at the most fundamental level what I am not. God the Son, Jesus paid the highest price imaginable. God became a human being in order to, to rescue men and women freeing them, and forever altering the mode of his being. Talk about a step down the ladder. And then think about it, even on a, on a human level, some people live it up, right? They, they're, they're celebrities or they're famous or they, 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 they live as kings. 
So he takes even another demotion. He, he actually humbles himself. He's born in a stable to a, a poor mother and father, and he becomes a peasant kid. He's born a peasant. In, in, in socioeconomic terms, Jesus was born at, a, at one of the lowest rungs of the level. Step three, Christ's descent downward continues. We're told in verse seven, he took on the very nature of a servant. Servant is a word that could be translated slave. God becomes a servant. Think, think about this for a second. I mean, if, if you're God, I mean, one of the benefits of that is, is you don't have to serve anybody. You're, you're God, right? That's one of the good things about being God. And so God, so Jesus became a servant in spite of the fact that he was God. At least that's the way it looks. But according to some commentaries, if, if you understand the context, if you understand the flow of, of Paul's argument, what he's saying about God, it's, it's exactly the opposite. One commentator, Dr. Jerry Hawthorne, says that this passage ought to be translated, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who because he was in very nature God, he became a servant. He became a servant. Jesus became a servant not in spite of the fact that he was God, but because he was God. It's the nature of God to serve. Isn't that mind-blowing? That's our, that's our God. That's the, the God we serve. I, I, I remember uh, hearing a, a Christian speaker one time say that, that we're not supposed to be proud because we're human, but God could be proud because he's God. And, and I think that's a, a totally wrong perspective. When, when God came to earth, he came as the most humble person who ever lived. And, and when Jesus came in the form of the servant, he was not disguising who God was. He was revealing who God was. This, this is so, so different than the profiles we read about in, in those who are climbing ladders in our world and in, in, in the Global Mail and the Vancouver Sun and so on. It's, it's not the story of someone climbing the ladder. It's the story of someone coming down the ladder. And in God's eyes, that is what's great. Step four, Jesus isn't done with his journey down the ladder. Look at verse eight. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. See, it wasn't just enough to become a man. He humbled himself to the point of death. Jesus, Jesus who breathed life into all that lives, he, he stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the power of death and said, you win. This time you win. In other words, his ultimate task was not some, some glorious achievement. It was not something that people dream of. There was nothing glamorous about death. And, and his demotion, his, his downward trajectory doesn't stop there. There's one, one rung lower yet. Verse 8, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, when you hit death on a cross, you, you hit bottom. Uh, among the Jews, among Jesus' people, there was a lie. It was in their lot. Cursed is the one who is hung on a tree. That, that fate was considered worse than all others. This, this ultimate act of self-sacrifice, folks, it stunned the world. And when you really look at it, it still does. This passage is about one who, who went down the ladder as, as far as he could go, not in spite of the fact that he was God, but precisely because he was God. And the problem with spending your life climbing the ladder is, is that you'll, you'll go right past Jesus on his way down. 
He's coming down, serving and self-giving love turns out to be the most God-like thing a, a human being can do. When you serve and you give, you, you look most like your heavenly father. And so Jesus starts this little community to teach people what life in, in God's kingdom is like. But, but he had a hard, they had a hard time with his teaching. It was, it was just not getting through because they were born climbers. Um, anyone remember a, a modern athlete uh, who has had the tagline, I'm the greatest? Uh, you know it. Come on, John Van Zee. I, I, I know you're, 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 you're shouting it out right now. Muhammad Ali, Right? And uh, he tells this story about himself. One, one time he was on a plane and everybody was supposed to, to buckle up in their seats and, and he didn't want to. And, and the flight attendant said to Muhammad, says, you have to put on your seatbelt. And he says, I don't have to put on a seatbelt because I'm Superman. And he went on to say how he didn't have to do this because and she kept on telling him he had to do it because it was a safety law that they couldn't take off the plane because of it until he put it on. And he finally said, I'm not going to do it because I'm Superman and Superman don't need no seatbelts. And she said to him, Superman don't need no airplane. And so it's, so it's ironic, but the disciples of Jesus used to have this argument about who was highest on the ladder. I mean, they were doing it right up to the end, end of Jesus's life. And Jesus would, would work on it with them. But the lecture method was getting nowhere, it seemed. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed and would next day go to the cross, he decided to give them an object lesson. Now, the most menial job in that day was to be a foot washer, to wash somebody's feet. Um, in, in those days, people went around in, in barefoot or, or in sandals, and, and the roads were dusty and dirty, and when it rained, they were, they were muddy and all kinds of animal traffic, and people didn't, you know, bring along their little, you know, doggy bags to, to pick up the droppings. And so feet were considered to be just foul and, and unclean and dirty to have to wash them. That was bottom of the ladder work. And on the night before Jesus goes to the cross, they're all gathered together. They're about to, to have dinner, and, and maybe they're, they're arguing among themselves about uh, who forgot to get the foot washer? Somebody was supposed to order the foot washer, you know, <laughs> to wash our feet. And, and Jesus, being in very nature God, takes a towel and a basin of water. And he goes up to Peter to, to wash his feet. And, and Peter says, no way, you're not going to do that to me. And Jesus says, yes way, I need to wash your feet. And Jesus gets down on his knees precisely because he is God and he takes those dirty, unclean feet with his hands, and he washes them, and he dries them off. And he does this from one disciple to another to another. These guys were climbers, just like you and I were. And when he was done, uh, this is what he says to them. He says, do you understand what I have done? You, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's faith. I have set you an example. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus started what, he, what might be called the, the fellowship of the towel, an alternative community in a world of ladder climbers where, where people would put a towel over their arm and say, can I serve you? Can I help you? 
And, and in this community, there was, there was no climbing and no comparing and no competition, just a bunch of foot washers. Think about the early lines uh, of this passage that are kind of in spirit of this. Verse 3 and verse 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And it may be the hardest thing in the world to turn ladder climbers into towel bearers. We're going to have to ask God for a lot of help with this one because we live in a land filled with ladders. And it's a strange thing, but towel bearing ends up bringing more joy than ladder climbing does. Because Jesus went down the ladder to its lowest rung. He was then exalted by God to the highest place. This again is, is Ascension Sunday where we remember that, that Jesus has risen and, and he's now ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father in, in the highest place where all power and honor and glory is his. And, and the day is, is coming, Paul says, when everybody's coming down off the ladder and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? Get this. Justin Trudeau's his knee's going to bow. Donald Trump's knee is going to bow. Netanyahu's knee is going to bow. Boris Johnson's knee will bow. Beyonce and, and Jay-Z's knee will bow. Every celebrity, superstar, supermodel, superpower, every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that the one who humbled himself to the lowest place has now been exalted and given the highest name above every other name. Amen. And it's not just Jesus who finds out that serving is the pathway to joy. You, you want to thrive, we, we got to take this path. Jesus said to his friends in, in John 13, now that you know these things, now that you've heard it, you've seen it, you're blessed, you're fortunate, you're happy, you are lucky if you do these things. You know, and I was just thinking about this, this whole theme this week. I, I thought about a hundred different ways that we could apply it in, in the work context. Oh man, so many opportunities to take up the towel. You know, in that meeting where the opportunity there is there for self-promotion and instead you, you taking the opportunity to celebrate and lift somebody else up. Or, or, or you're at home and, and, and just think about the thousand moments there are to, 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 to meet a need, to, to do the dishes, to put something away to listen or to care. And then as this church, as we kind of pull our serving gifts together and, and we do this, man, what a difference we can make when, when all the gifts, as we all put our kind of hats in the ring, the, the difference we can make in the world. And, and don't get me started about how, as we take up the, the towel and, and basin in our neighborhoods and, and among our friends and, and our families and, and among those who are far from God, I, I, I don't think you need me to walk you through a bunch of, of examples. I think this is decision time. I, I, I think it is for us as a church and us as individuals, we need to get really clear about the answer to the question, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want it to be about the latter? Do I want it to be about work or about academic achievement 
or, or, or about athletics, or about physical you know, attractiveness, about success, or, or financial security, or, or about comfort. Folks, there's just all kinds of ladders around us. Do I want my, my life to be about the ladder, or do I want it to be about the towel? I, I want to give you a moment this morning to talk about this with God, so to, please, would you just bow your heads with me, and, and, and why don't we pray together? Take this moment, I mean, weird, I know, behind a screen, but let's pray together. I want to say it's a scary thing to get off the ladder. Ever since the fall, the temptation was be, was you can be like God. So we're, we're tempted into sin because we're thinking, I've got to climb. I, I, I've got to get up there, and, and God's coming down. So your life, just, just between you and God, take a moment right now if you want to, to tell God if your decision is that you want to be a towel bearer, <laughs> you don't want to be a ladder climber in your life, why don't you tell him that right now? And if there are changes that, that need to go on in your life, just, just be prepared to submit those to him even now that you'll yield your life to, to him. To say right now, God, I'll change God with your help. I really want to be a servant. I really do want to be a follower of Jesus in my world. So Lord Jesus, we, pray, we praise you, God, that uh, you show us what you're really like through your son. You humbled yourself and you gave your very life came down in, in the very lowest rung in order to demonstrate, Lord, your nature, your goodness. And God, we, uh, we just acknowledge that, that we're enthralled with the ladders that are around us. And so we pray, Lord, give us grace and courage to choose the towel. We can only do it with your help, Lord, so help us, we pray. And we need to ask that you do it in us and through us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.